Let's get ready to make a confession. Amen. I wanted us to be sure to get in our worship today, so please excuse the technical difficulty. But say this out loud and believe it in your heart. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. I will meditate in it. Day and night. Monday through Friday. Chapter in the morning. Chapter in the evening. And because I do. All my life is blessed. No more a mess. Now everything I touch. Everything I touch turns to success. Hallelujah. Glory. Father, we thank you. As we have gathered as your sons and your daughters to hear from heaven. On this precious day. The day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We ask that you'll think through our minds. That you'll speak through my lips. Your indelible word which will... Save our souls. We pray for revelation knowledge to flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We give the Holy Spirit freedom to flow and to function. To move in and out every aisle and touch the life of every person. Lord, let not one of us leave the same that we came. Let us all be changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I'm continuing and then concluding today what we started on last Sunday called The Last Adam. And the subtitle is The God of This World. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 49, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it was written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of Of the heavenly man. Now, in this passage, uh, which really begins at the beginning of chapter 15 and even before, 
Paul is writing to the church to help them understand the resurrection of the dead. We are celebrating, not Easter Sunday, but we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you're not saved, if, you, if you're not born again, this is what it's all about. It is about the resurrection of the dead. Paul then takes a moment in this passage to try to contrast one from the other. To help us understand what really took place when Jesus was raised from the dead and what we can expect as a result of it. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, I shared last week that my heart was stirred up within me listening to Pastor Carol's message from several weeks ago, which was called Jesus Christ Super Spreaders. Essentially, in that message, he taught us that the church is called and commissioned to spread the gospel. The gospel is good news. When you talk about the gospel, what are you talking about? In this passage, we know, and in others as we've looked at, this is God's story. It's the good news that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have an everlasting life. The gospel is the good news. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 tells us that God first preached to Abraham the gospel. What in the world did God preach to Abraham? It was a very simple message, but it was good news to Abraham that if you obey me, if you do what I tell you to do, then I will bless you. I'll say something good over your life that enables you to succeed. God was the first to preach the gospel, and we're still supposed to be preaching that gospel to this day. When Jesus came, he came also. We've already looked at it a couple times today. He came to do what? Preach the gospel. And I want to share with you the gospel today. In Mark chapter 1, we looked at it in verse number 14 and 15. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now that we've talked about it several times, what is it? (laughs) You know, really, what is the gospel? What is the good news? It is the story of the first Adam and the last Adam. The essence of the gospel is what we've been preaching last week And what we're preaching this week. It is the story of disobedience and the curse as a result. And the story of one man's obedience and the blessing that comes as a result. When Adam sinned in the garden. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says that sin entered into the world and death through sin And death spread to all men. We looked at it at the end of the message that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It tells us very clearly that the wages of sin 
is death. When we examine the reason why we must be born again is because of sin. Sin is a very serious problem. It's not to be taken lightly. And it is the reason why Jesus died on that cross. The book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23 told us that all have sinned. That includes everybody ever born. There's never been a person born beside Jesus that lived on this planet without sin. When Adam sinned, death entered into the world, sin entered into the world, and death and sin spread to all men for that all have sinned. From then on, from Adam until this day, every human being born was doomed to sin. People in the world and people of this world don't sin because they want to. They sin because they have no choice. They were born in sin. It's their nature that they're going to do what they are. And they were born in sin. That's why we got to be born again. Amen? So every every human being born was doomed to sin. And as a result, they were doomed to spiritual death. But actually, how does it work? How is it that when a baby is born, they're born spiritually dead? In answering that question, I want us to look at Romans chapter 7 today, verse 9 through 11, and pay very careful attention. I'm going to really teach this to you today. How does this actually work? when, When does it happen? I mean, we're just born with a sin nature. The Bible tells us in verse 9, I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking an occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Now most people don't understand what they just read. But what Paul is doing is testifying that in his life there came a point where he, he recognized before this point I was alive. But then after this point I died. Something killed me. Something revived. Something came alive on the inside of me and I recognized that I died. What is that? What is he actually talking about? Sin revived and I died. When a child is born, there comes a time in their development where this happens. Where sin revives and they die. In theological schools, they call it the age of accountability. Now I'm not talking about a child that's bent on not doing what mom or dad says. You know, our two-year-old, our four-year-old, you know, they, uh, to us, they have sinned a lot. (laughs) They have been disobedient. They have not done what we've instructed them to do. But that's not what, what he's talking about. A child 
He's talking about sin. When the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What is he talking about? Uh, in Romans chapter 7 verse 9 uh, through 10 in the New Living Translation, he says, at one time, listen to this, I lived without understanding the law. The law is the commandment of God. Your, as a parent, your commandment is one thing, but as God, that commandment is another. It's one thing to sin against mom and dad and not do what they say, but how many of y'all know it's another thing when you sin against the, the God in heaven, God Almighty. And, and, and for children before this point, if they die, the Bible teaches us that the child goes to heaven. But once this point happens, where they're doing what they're doing, knowing that God told them not to do it, at that moment where they sin with understanding the commandment of God, then they at that point spiritually die, and from then on they must be born again. Okay, I've got to calm down, so I make sure that you really understand this. What is he talking about? How does this actually work? How is it that people are walking on this planet alive but spiritually dead? Adam and his wife didn't really understand when God said, on the day that you eat this, you'll die. On the day that they ate it, they did not fall over dead. So what in the world was God talking about? That was what Satan told them. If you eat it, you're not going to really die. And they believed that lie. And I believe people are walking around spiritually dead today believing the lie that you can have life without God. So what is he actually talking about? Every human being on this planet over the age of accountability who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord is spiritually dead. This is the reason why Jesus died on the cross. Again, Romans chapter 7 verse 9 in the New Living Translation, he says, At one time I lived without understanding God's commandments. But when I learned God's commandments not to covet or not to do this or that, for instance, the power of sin came to life in me and I died. So I discovered that, that God's commands which are supposed to bring life, actually brought spiritual death. It's different for every child. For some it may happen at 12. For others it may happen at 8. But at one point in our lives, we knew God told us, don't put that in your pocket. Don't mess with that little girl. Don't, don't, don't you do that. And as a child, it wasn't about mom and dad. It was God in us. We knew right from wrong. And in that moment of disobedience, we died spiritually. Now we have to be born again. But not only did sin and death enter the world through Adam's sin so that everyone deals with spiritual death, Satan also became the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 4, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel 
of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Notice again, we got another passage of scripture that's talking about the gospel. Somebody shout out loud, the gospel. He says, if our gospel is veiled, if it's hidden, if it's uh, hard to see, if it cannot, it's not easily recognized, it's hidden to those that are in this world, it's veiled to those who are perishing, those who are dying, those who are spiritually dead, whose minds the God of this world. Who in the world are we talking about? The God of this world, the God of this age, who, who, who the God of this world has blinded their minds who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Again, let me ask you the, ask you the question, what is our gospel? He says, if our gospel is hid, what is this gospel? We preach the gospel here at Faith Family Church. Amen? I said amen. amen. The gospel we preach is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of God. So what is our gospel? It is the good news that if you obey God, not disobey Him, if you obey God, He will bless you. That's why we're taking Wednesday nights to study the blessing. That's why we're going to find out this Wednesday night what blocks the blessing. How many of you can already see disobedience got to be on that list? We preach the gospel. But he says, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are dying spiritually, in whom the God of this world, somebody say it out loud, the God of this world. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about Satan who became God of this world. He is blinding the minds of those who are spiritually dead from seeing what we're exposing to you, the truth of the gospel, that you got to be born again. The truth that good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. There's not a good person on this planet that's not sinned. And that sin separates you from God for an eternity. And if you die in your sin... You will go to hell. Saved people go to heaven. In the King James it says, in whom the God of this world. The Bible calls the devil the God of this world. But let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that Satan is the God of this world? See, some believe that God is in control. And if you're talking about in his sovereignty... He is absolutely in control all the time and what he said will be. But God is not totally in control of everything that happens on this planet. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. That at one point he functioned with supreme authority on this planet. How did he become the so-called God of this world? Did God in heaven, when he made the angels and made Lucifer, 
when he once was there in the throne of God and so forth? Did God decide, okay, I'll be God in heaven and devil, you be God over the world. And then I'm going to put my son Adam there. I'm going to, I'm going to create him. I'm going to pour myself into him. I'm going to make him in my image. And then he'll dwell on this planet while you're God over this planet. No. So if the Bible calls Satan the God of this world, there ought to be some evidence in the Word of God that helps us understand how this happened. How did the devil, was this a part of the plan of God? How did the devil become God of this world, so-called? Well, I'm here to tell you the Bible teaches us that God put Adam on this planet and made him the king of the world. How many of y'all remember Titanic and Leonardo DiCaprio out on the bow of that ship? I'm the king of the world! Y'all got to help me in this church today. At one point in the beginning, Adam was the king of the world. He was in total authority, had total rule. God blessed him and said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over everything that flies in the air, everything that crawls on the ground, everything that swims in the ocean. He essentially gave Adam supreme authority on the earth. So how in the world, in the New Testament, is is the devil called the God? Of this world. In Romans chapter 6, it gives us the answer. In Romans 6 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Please understand, this scripture answers how Satan became God of this world. Adam yielded to Satan and sinned. And the Bible says when you yield yourself as a servant to do what someone tells you to do, you become their slave. That authority that God gave Adam, Adam transferred that to Satan. Pastor Stan, do you have any other proof? This is kind of creeping me out right now. I didn't come for all of this. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. I'm trying to help you understand what you're celebrating. I'm trying to help you understand the real story of the gospel. The story of the gospel is the first Adam. And as the Bible calls him, the last Adam. In Luke chapter 4, you all remember the story. Jesus was taken into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. He was tempted there by the devil. Notice one of the temptations in verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I'm the king of the world. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. What is going on right here? Who gave 
Satan all that authority. It wasn't God. According to what we read in Romans, it was Adam. The first Adam gave Satan authority over all the world. Now think about this and understand what what happened here. I don't know how it physically happened. I know Jesus was in the wilderness, but Satan came and took him to a high mountain. And in a moment of time, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now understand that there's still kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There's the kingdom of Scotland. There's the kingdom of England. But there's no way from one single mountain you can see all across the planet. And certain, certainly you couldn't see it all in an instant of time. How many have ever been in a situation where it seemed like your life flashed before your face? So you know it's possible some things can come real quick. I don't know how it happened, but I know it happened because it's written in God's word. Satan took him up to a place and tempted him with giving him authority. And I'll give you the authority in all the kingdoms of the world. I can do that for this has been delivered to me. Who delivered the authority over all the kingdoms of this world? Did you know that Michael Jackson once was called the pop king of the world? And if you followed him, you saw people slain in his presence. He truly was a king in this world. Satan says, all of this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. You ever wondered about the successes of people that you know don't live a godly life? Extreme successes. Folks that enter into the billions of dollars. Watch how we celebrate celebrity. I'm, 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 as I, I'm trying to warn you. Watch how you celebrate celebrity. Because their authority has come from a wrong source. If it doesn't glorify the king. So in answering the question, who gave the devil all this authority in the world? The first Adam did, but God had a plan. God always has a plan. Listen to this. This is further proof of where we're going today. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, this is on the day in which they sinned and died, Adam and his wife, God came into the garden and said to Adam, where are you? Have you eaten of the tree? And he said, the woman you gave me. She gave it to me and I ate. He turned to the woman God did and said, have you eaten of the tree that I told you? What is this that you have done? She said, well, the serpent, he tricked me and I ate. Then God in verse 14 turns to the serpent and said, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast on the, of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will, Watch this. I am also going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In the beginning, when Adam fell... 
gave the authority over to Satan. Satan became God of this world. Into the planet came sin and death from the first family to the first sons where Cain killed Abel. Death spread to all men and sin spread to all men. But God had a plan and he tells us his plan from before the beginning. He said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between her, between... um, between your seed and her seed. The only problem is women carry egg, men carry seed. What in the world is is God talking about? A woman's seed. He's prophesying there's going to come a woman who becomes pregnant, not by a man, but the power of the Most High will overshadow her and he will be the seed of God Almighty. He prophesies and tells the world his plan from the beginning. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her, capital S, seed. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. This is the gospel. And you've got to understand it so that you can tell the story about the first Adam who messed it up and the last Adam who fixed it up. Glory to God. All right, so let's answer the question. Get back in teaching mode for a moment. won't be long before you. Who is the seed of the woman that God Almighty is referring to? It's Jesus. Well, when did Jesus bruise Satan's head? He did it in hell. Jesus died on that cross and went to hell and bruised Satan's head. Head always refers to authority. And he said he would bruise Satan's head and the other question is, when did Satan bruise Jesus' heel? Somehow or another, the seed of God is going to be wounded or bruised by Satan. When did that happen? It's what we celebrate on Good Friday. We know that Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus. He sold them out to the Jews for 30 pieces of silver. The Jews came by force one night to take him, to question him, because they had plotted to kill him, because he claimed to be the son of God. On the night that they came, they said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am. And they all fell down. They got back up off the ground. They wanted to take Jesus by force. They then took him into a certain place, condemned him to death. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 67, just for the sake of time. Then they, the Jews, spat in his face. Beat him. You could play softly. Others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ. 
who is the one that struck you? When did Satan bruise Jesus' heel, the lowest part of him? See, we're a tripart being. We're a spirit being. We possess a soul. And we live inside of a physical body. The lowest part of us is the physical part. When did they, when did Satan bruise Jesus' heel? When they spat in his face. When they beat him. The Bible literally said they beat him. And they struck him with the palms of their hand. Just a whole group of them. All of them spit. I could imagine he was just covered and drenched. They would hit him. Punch him. And these are the Jews. Then, once it was determined that he was then to be put to death by the Jews, they had to turn him over to Pilate, who was the governor at the time. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 27, that also then the soldiers, this is a whole chapter later, they beat him the night that he was betrayed. But then the next day, they sent him to the governor. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they put a reed, some kind of staff, a reed, a piece of wood or plant, a reed in his hand. And they bowed to knee, the knee before him and they mocked him, saying, hell, king of the Jews. Then they get up and they spit in his face. And they took the reed out of his hand and they struck him on the head. How would you like to get hit on the head with a plastic baseball bat that your child plays with? Would you experience any pain? Even if your child hit you in the head with a plastic bat that's made for toys or play, this reed, they took it out of his hand and hit him in the head. After he was beaten by the Jews, after he was mocked and slapped, they struck him on the head. And when they mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his clothes on him, and then they led him to be crucified. Time would fail me to tell you of the horrors of your body being nailed to a piece of wood. We don't understand what really took place because of the simplicity of these words. But we know that they whipped Jesus with, within inches of his life. They beat his back. They beat him from head to toe. They scourged him, the Bible says. That was Satan bruising Jesus' heel. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6 says, But when, excuse me, but he was wounded, he was what? 
Wounded. I said he was what? He was wounded for our transgressions. Ah, cool, yeah, I see. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, which is the beating, for us to have peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The story of the last Adam, the first Adam and the last Adam, Satan bruising his heel. Why was he punched? Why was he beat within inches of his life? Why was he hardly recognizable as a man? I remember one time years ago as a, as a pastor of this church, um, a dear member of the church who's now living in another state, their brother was beaten physically so bad that um, they had a closed casket. And just out of respect, uh, I told the family I'd do anything, I, anything they wanted me to do to help them. And I remember she asked me if I would uh, view the body on her behalf just out of respect. The Bible says in Isaiah that Jesus' visage, his, his appearance, was so marred that you couldn't recognize him as a man. Unfortunately, I've seen how bad a person can be beat to the point where almost it's unrecognizable. What I hope that you get is that the reason why he got beat was because of the stuff you did, for the stuff you're doing, for the stuff you're going to do. And it shouldn't be taken lightly. He was wounded for our transgressions. He did no wrong. He was bruised for our iniquities. He did no wrong. The chastisement for us to be able to have peace and look nice and live good was upon him. God the Lord put on Jesus all of our sins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. The Bible tells us that for he God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. Somebody say for us. Say for me that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. In Matthew chapter 27, where we left off, they led him away to be crucified. And no, we know that he tried to carry his cross. They got somebody else to carry his cross. But in verse 35, it says, Then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting, excuse me, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. So let me go over this again as I close. Who is the seed of the woman? That would, that would bruise Satan's head. It's Jesus. When did Satan bruise Jesus' heel? It was at the cross, through the crucifixion, through the beating, the scourging. But when did he, Jesus, bruise Satan's head? He did it when he went to hell. 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, and he nailed it to the cross. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord. But verse 15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. I know that was some sad news, but I came to bring some good news. The good news is that when Jesus died on that cross, although he was bruised in his heel, when he got there into hell, he put a spiritual whooping on the devil and every demon and every evil spirit. The Bible says in verse 15, he disarmed principalities and powers. That means they had weapons that they could use to abuse and to wound. But all of a sudden, Jesus took their authority, took their power, took their weapons, and the Bible says he made an open show of them with it. I, 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 I like to like watch action movies and sometimes, you know, the bad guy's got his gun out there and somehow, you know, the, the, the agent is so slick and so smooth and gets up so close on him and all of a sudden a distraction happens and boom, all of a sudden I got the gun and you don't have it anymore. That's what happened with the authority in this world. Jesus went into hell and he took back what Adam lost. He spoiled Satan and now rose from the dead with all authority and all power. I decree Satan is no longer the God of this world. I need to adjust the way that I say it. Satan was the God of this world. But according to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand on me and said to me, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and I am the last. The first Adam messed it up and the last Adam fixed it up. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. It's not over until Jesus says it's over and until you win. Glory to God. He said, I'm the first and I'm the last. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. If there was any question whether Jesus died spiritually and physically, let it be solved right here. He said, I'm the first, the last, he who lives and was dead. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I'm alive evermore. He said, I once was alive but I died. But in hell, I revived. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, He'll quicken also your mortal body. And then He said this in verse number 18. He said, Not only am I alive forevermore. Amen. He said, And I have the keys of hell and death. Did you get that? He's got all authority. He's got authority over death. 
That means he has authority over cancer. Come on. That means he has authority over depression. That means he has authority over sickness and disease. That means he has authority over poverty. Hallelujah. He says, I have the keys of hell and of death. When did he get those keys? When he went to hell. And he took back that authority that was given. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. As we get ready to prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. I pray for those of you that are online or maybe in person. And you know in your heart, you're not in a good place with God. Well, I could tell you, you're in a good place today to give your life to God. That's what we celebrate. It's what it's all about. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse number one, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing was like white as snow. And the guards shook for fear, because, and they came, became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Sunday is the first day of the week. It's after the Sabbath. Some 2,000 years ago or so. Some 2,000 years ago or so. On a Sunday morning. Jesus was raised from the dead. What's interesting, that was Matthew chapter 28 verse 6. What's interesting is in verse 18 of Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Did you get that? Come on, did you get that? He said all, now we know he had authority in heaven. Adam lost the authority on the earth. But when he went to hell, he bruised Satan's head, took back the keys that Adam delivered to him, and Ray was raised from the dead. And then he tells his disciples, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in hell. And in Mark chapter 16, at the same moment, he says, now you go. And I'm speaking to you, Faith Family Church. Time for us to get busy. Time for us to preach this gospel. Come on, time for us to fund this gospel. We ought to go into all the world and preach the good news that Satan is no more the God of this world. And Jesus is King. Our job now is to go and tell the world His story. Spread the good news that no matter how bad you've been, if you repent and believe, God will bless your life. Maybe you've murdered somebody. Maybe you've stolen from somebody. Maybe you've abused someone. Maybe you've done really, really bad things. It's because God put your sin on Jesus. You can live free from that sin. That's the good news. Is that no matter how bad you've been, 
if you obey God now and repent from your sins, He'll save you right where you are. You'll be born again. You say, Pastor Stan, well, how do I, how do I give my life to the Lord? It's very simple. Adam was the problem. Jesus was the answer. But how do you apply the answer to the problem of sin in your life? It's found in Romans chapter 10, verse number 8, 9, and 10. It says, but what saith it? The word is nigh you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. You know you're not right. You know where you've missed it. It's in your heart. The word is there. Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very simple. You call upon Jesus as your Lord. You repent for your sins. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be born again. So while every head is bowed and no, nobody moving around, every eye is closed. Thank you for coming and honoring the Lord. Thank you for being online and a part of this service. But I have to ask you, if you were to die today, where would you go? Heaven or hell? Come on, young people, old people, where would you go, heaven or hell? Don't say, I, well, I, I think I will go to heaven. The Bible says these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you know. If you're not sure today, I want to lead you in a word of prayer. And you can accept Jesus as your Lord and be born again today. A day that you'll never forget for all of eternity. On April the 4th in 2021, you confess Jesus as your Lord. You believe that God raised him from the dead. And you, you're born again. Your spiritual birthday. Pray this out loud. Mean it from your heart. If you've backslidden, if you've done things, if you've committed sins. He says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Let's do it right now. Say it out loud. God in heaven, thank you for this word today. The last Adam is Jesus. I do believe that he is your son. That he died for me on the cross at Calvary. They put him in a grave. But I believe you raised him from the dead. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for all my sins. And I accept your offer of forgiveness. Therefore, according to your word, I'm born again. Give me your Holy Spirit that I may live a successful life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Give yourselves a hand clap. Amen. At this time, we're going to...